nothing. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Hey, bros. Welcome to That's Deep, Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. I hope you had a good week. I, uh, oh God, I've had a, I had a, I had a little rejuvenation weekend. I actually relaxed and I swam and I laid out by the pool. I feel, I feel like a new lady, man. is that amazing what that does to you? Just your, your brain and your life. I had a whole new lease on life, dudes. <laughs> uh, and I didn't beat myself up about it. That's the key, is I didn't criticize myself, which is today's topic, self-criticism. The, the horrible gremlin in your brain that tells you you're not good enough, you're not doing enough, uh, you're fat, you're ugly, you're too old, you're too young, you're too naive, whatever. We're going to get into it. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I feel like, I feel like that's a topic... A lot of comedians know very well, myself included. A dur. But first, some announcements, guys. I'm uh, at the Hollywood Improv, October second. I'm headlining the October second show, eight p.m. early show, which is fantastic. The early show's the best, bros, isn't it? You can go see a nice comedy show, get home before International House Hunters. You're in bed and you're watching Americans say stupid shit. Like, uh, this ain't big enough. What? I mean, how am I supposed to put a toilet in the living room? I want a toilet in the living room. How come food tastes weird here in Spain? This don't taste like McDonald's. Also, October 7th, I'm doing Ari Shafir's show. This is not happening. Uh, we're doing a live taping at Cheetah's in Hollywood, the strip club, Cheetah's. October 7th, I'm on the 7.30 lineup. There's tickets on my website, thousandranch.com. I believe they're free. He just wants to have fans at the show. That's going to be super fun. We'll tell our messed up stories about our lives. And then October 29th, I do the Brea Improv in Brea, California. <laughs> you know, not Brea, Alaska. It's a different Brea. Come see me October 29th, 8 p.m. show in Brea. I'm doing stand-up there. Working on a lot of new stuff, mans, bros. And uh, also, uh, sponsors. Yes, Amazon. I know you do your shopping on Amazon because you listen to That's Deep Bro and you've heard me sing the praises of that fantastic website, uh, which enables me to never leave my home and never leave my couch. Uh, I'm going to order like a fridge tomorrow, like a little one for the office here. It's going to show up the next day. Why? Because it's awesome. Anyway, when you do your shopping, please use my portal, my banner on thatsdeepropodcast.com. You click on the little square at the bottom of that homepage, and you do your shopping as you normally would. And it just kind of helps um, kick back some some stuff uh, for the show. Some stu- and by stuff, I mean money. Okay, because what's more important than money? And I think that's the really the heart of this show is that there's nothing more important than material goods than money. All right, bros, here we go. I'm so excited to do this topic. Um, been thinking about it for like the 
longest time. I'm so glad we're finally going to get to do this together. Okay, here we go. Oh, I know I want to open with this song. I was listening to this great Modest Mouse song on their brand new album, Strangers to Ourselves. Here it is. Love Modest Mouse. I just I, that guy, fucking really Isaac Brock. It, I, I think he's just a, an amazing lyricist and an, an amazing mind. Listen to the, the lyrics I loved on this. This is why I played you the song. He goes, "This is in the second verse. We remain the same. I'm not sure about that." He sings it back to himself, so it's like he's having this conversation with himself. We remain the same. I'm not sure about that. We're pretty much the same. And then he goes, now that's more like it. From birth to grave, I couldn't see so clearly what I was or became. Oh, I missed a spot. Scrub, a scrub, a scrub, a scrub on my dirty thoughts. The way we feel about what we do is by who has watched us. What, <laughs> bros? Oh, it's so fucking deep. I can't take it. <sighs> it's intense. Isaac Brock. I got to meet Isaac Brock. I, I got to have this guy become a fan of me so that we can hang out one day. Talk about talk about a great idea about shame being correlated to uh, to who has shamed us in our developmental areas of our lives. Um, I think I want to say that's kind of how fetishes are created, aren't they? Not like or, or being shamed about something bizarro that you like. You do it as a little kid, and someone tells you how dirty and wrong you are, and then before you know it, um, you're wearing, you know, raincoats naked underneath in privacy of your own home, or farting into canisters of film and then smelling them later. I don't know, whatever it is, um, but it takes an act of shamer, <laughs> I think. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, what did I do wrong with this? Hold on a second, bros. Okay, so um, I had got this uh, this song, Pubs to Dust, I was thinking about it in the car the other like week or two ago, and I was like, oh, I know there's something, excuse me, cool in that lyric. There's something there that, that's resonating with me. I don't know what it is yet. It percolated. And then I went to see... Um, Brene Brown speak um, at a local venue here in Los Angeles. She's doing a book tour called Rising for a book called Rising Strong, I believe, which the cover is ridiculous. It looks like a, a country, like a country Western Dolly Parton um, album because she's from Texas and she's totally cute and ridiculous. Who doesn't love Brene Brown? If you know who that is, uh, Google her TED talk on vulnerability. She's a professor at some uh, university in Texas. I'm sorry, I don't know the name. And she researched shame and vulnerability and um, basically has written like four or five books. She was on Oprah. Oprah loves her because she talks about some pretty human shit. And uh, I saw Brene Brown and uh, she talks about self-criticism and filling in the gaps when bad things happen to you. I'll explain all this stuff a little bit later. Um, by telling yourself a negative story. And the story we often fill in the gaps with when something bad happens is not a positive one. (laughs) You know, um, for instance, someone doesn't call when they say they will and or they're showing up late to a meeting. Let's say you have like a business meeting and that person's late. Um, At least in my crazy brain, I don't go, well, I'm sure there's a perfectly good reason. In my brain, my story is, well, obviously they don't respect me. Uh, This person is fucking being a control freak. They're asserting their dominance over me by um, showing up late. They clearly don't care about me. Um, They're not looking out for my interests. Like I I spiral into a crazy place. Um, And, you know, usually that person's late to a meeting. Maybe they were... Maybe they were getting information or changing a deal that could benefit you. Maybe the reason they're late is because they were having a contract looked over to get you more money for something. Or, you know, or they were just stuck in traffic. I mean, there's a million things. But um, the critic in us tends to take over rational thought because in Brene Brown's um, research she's done on people and the inner critic is that people don't react... When something bad happens, you don't react rationally. (laughs) Your first inclination is to react emotionally. And that makes so much sense. So anyway, I saw Brene Brown and I thought, God, is that such a dark topic to go there about about the inner critic? Because I'll tell you what, man, she brought up a story about her and her husband that I'll go into later. And there wasn't a person in that room that hadn't experienced some form of what the story was, which is similar to the meeting thing I just brought up of like something, someone does something and you fill in the blanks with your own conspiracy theory and the critic takes over. I mean, there's a whole room of people. This was maybe like 400 people who are going collectively. Yeah, I get that. Wow. I have an inner voice. I have this horrible fucking demon voice in my head that tells me lies that tells me misinformation constantly and where the fuck where did that come from why do i have this inner critic and wait a minute am i not the only one because 
I feel like a lot of people do. And the people who claim not to, by the way, <sighs> Brene Brown talked about that. The people who are like, no, everything's fine. I did <laughs> Those people like are seethers. Like, for instance, she uses the example of um, like a soccer mom, like a mom type who like agree to bake brownies for the whole class and then go home and like be mixing the brownies and be like, fuck these kids. I hate these kids. I gotta bake the brownies. Like, I think that we're kind of hardwired for a little self-criticism and negative thoughts. And I, then I happened to get this tweet from someone from a guy named Eric. And he wrote, uh, main mommy C cause I am the main mommy. Um, did you ever do a that zebra episode on self-criticism and negative thoughts? Or mention the book, Get Out of Your Own Way. And I thought, that's a sign. That's the rules of three. I got to do this topic. So, no, Eric, I haven't mm, heard of the book, Get Out of Your Own Way, but I like it. I like the idea of it because I feel like that's exactly the problem with self-criticism and negative thoughts is that that gremlin uh, can really take over if you believe it. I mean, I don't know how the gremlin got there. I have a few theories on it, which I'll get into as well, but... I mean, look, ultimately, at the end of the day, are you going to let that motherfucker push you around? You're going to let some gremlin voice in your head tell you what to do? Because that, that gremlin's not right. Not all the time. Gremlins got theories, but they're half-baked. They're not accurate. So you got to learn uh, who to listen to, uh, or, or, or rather intentionally, how to use your mind positively, or, or just use your mind to not sabotage yourself, bros. So anyways, I, I also happen to, as a comedian, sometimes the inner voice, the inner critic, the self-criticism stuff, it's kind of the root of all wonderful things. I don't think I've ever written a joke, well, a good joke anyways, while feeling great about myself. I don't think I've created anything worth a shit when I was feeling great. And I don't, I don't know what that is. I think, um, I think part of it is when you're happy, it's harder to get to the truth of the matter because you're not looking for it. You're not looking for the negative stuff, the stuff that's displeasing uh, to people, to you. Uh, but a little bit of self-criticism, is it, is it so bad? Whoa. And what about that for a theory? Or is it so bad to kind of fucking hate yourself every now and then? I don't think so. So I looked it up. Guess what, bros? There's a lot of people, really successful, cool people that don't love themselves. And I know that's the mantra of this era is that, you know, uh, you're just supposed to be yourself and love yourself and, you know, just do you. And I embrace, and I do. And here's the thing. I, I, I embrace that philosophy to some extent. But then on the other hand, you know, that's the counterbalance of the darkness and the darkness exists and the darkness must be acknowledged. But the darkness can also uh, help make you, I think, sometimes a better human being. What about that? A more empathetic human being. Whoa. A more interesting human being. Absolutely. How many people do you know that have had hunky-dory lives that are amazing comics, authors, singers, songwriters. No, they fucking suck. Okay, people that have had amazing lives, normal, quote, normal, um, sitcom -y, mommy, daddy. I, I personally, personally, I don't fucking care. I don't relate to it. I don't want it. 
Uh, I love, love, love um, uh, the dark side of the force. Uh, so here's a few quotes from the dark siders that I absolutely adore. These are just authors. So this is what an author said. You know, Ray Bradbury, uh, he's written a million books. <laughs> this, these are quotes of self-deprecation from like major figures. So Ray, Ray Bradbury writes, quote, a conglomerate heap of trash. That's what I am. But it burns with a high flame. <laughs> I mean, how dark and kooky is that? I love that. And then here's what Stephen King wrote about himself. He writes, quote, I am literally the equivalent of a Big Mac and fries, end quote. <laughs> I love that. I'm literally the equivalent. But here's the thing, bros. If you've got the wherewithal, the self-reflectiveness to be able to say, I'm the equivalent of Big American Fries, you're not. Because it's usually the folks who don't see themselves that way um, that are just the worst. I mean, like at least in the comedy world, it's usually the comics who think they're amazing that are the fucking lamest and the worst and just the worst human beings. Um, Woody Allen... Here's probably the the biggest self-loather in the world. Uh, also one of the most successful. Hey, my point being, guys, is that y- you don't have to love yourself all the time. And I don't think anybody can. And I think that's a, a myth. I think that's overreaching what human beings are capable of. Uh, you know, your self-image changes constantly. Are you really, every morning you wake up loving everything you do and Loving everything you've ever done? Fuck, of course not. But anyway, here's Woody Allen. He says, my one regret in life is that I am not someone else. (laughs) Right? Oh, my God. I mean, (sighs) I've had that thought a few times too, right? If if only I could be this other person who seems to have their shit together. I know a few of those people. I've I've so wished to be other people in my life. Uh, right? Am I alone? I I don't even I don't care if you guys don't. Uh, hold on, I gotta turn this ad down. Um, how how many times have you not wished you were somebody else or had some quality that? Oh, I just I wish I was so and so. I wish I had the thing that that person has. But you don't even know what goes into being that person. That's a scary part. Okay. So this is a great clip from the fantastic movie Annie Hall. I don't know if you've seen this. It's a Woody Allen movie. Listen, Woody Allen, I think, is obviously a comedy hero, wonderful, great, deep, deep comic. I mean, this guy was writing existentialist jokes in the 80s when it was cool to kind of be intellectual. Of course, now it's, uh, you know, what you're reading for, to quote Bill Hicks. It's, It's... that we're in a we're in a deeply anti-intellectual era right now. But uh, in the '80s, Annie Hall came out. Woody Allen makes a movie a year. I don't I don't think that's good either. <laughs> I don't think you need to make anything every year. I think that quality kind of suffers. But whatever. Uh, so Woody Allen, basically, all his movies um, follow the similar pattern that Steve Martin's books and films do, which is um, balding middle-aged guy has problems with monogamy and being married and finds redemption and solace in young pussy. End of story. So it's the theme of like every Woody Allen movie and every Steve Martin thing. Look at LA story, uh, read shop girl. Mm, Yeah. 
Redemption through Young Pussy. And these guys eventually learn that Young Pussy is not the answer and that you're just going to die anyway. Um, but yeah, but there, you know, it's still it's still endearing in its own way. So anyway, this is the opening Annie Hall. It's always made me laugh. It's always made me smile. Here we go. There's an old joke. Um, two elderly women are at a Catskill Mountain resort. <clears throat> and one of them says, boy, the food at this place is really terrible. The other one says, yeah, I know. And such small portions. Well, that's essentially how I feel about life. Full of loneliness and misery and suffering and unhappiness. And it's all over much too quickly. The, the other important joke for me is one that's uh, usually attributed to Groucho Marx, but I think it appears originally in Freud's wit and its relation to the unconscious. And it goes like this, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I would never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member. That's the key joke of my adult life in terms of my relationships with women. You know, lately the strangest things have been going through my mind because I turned 40 and I guess I'm going through a life crisis or something. I don't know. I, I, and I'm not worried about aging. I'm not one of those characters. You know, I, although I'm balding slightly on top. That's about the worst you can say about me. I, um, I think I'm going to get better as I get older. You know, I think I'm going to be the, the balding virile type, you know, as opposed to, say, the um, distinguished gray for instance, you know, unless I'm neither of those two, unless I'm one of those guys with saliva dribbling out of his mouth who wanders into a cafeteria with a shopping bag screaming about socialism. All right, there you go. See what I tell you, Redemption Through Young Pussy. Uh, He's concerned about Annie Hall, who's adorably played by Diane Keaton, a very young Diane Keaton. She's always wearing men's clothing, which is such a hard look to pull off. I guess that was cool in 1977 to wear like a man's vest and a white blouse. It's it's only good if you have no tits and you're rail thin. That's what I figured out. You can't be like me with a huge rack and hips if you're going to wear men's uh, vests. It's, it's not a cute look. But so anyway, he's obsessed with Annie Hall. But anyway, that sums up. Uh, that sums up Woody Allen. Um, self-loathing, f- fantastically self-loathing. Um, self-deprecating, which just goes to show that it doesn't mean that it's on an endless loop. It doesn't necessarily mean um, if you're a self-critical person that you're kind of drowning and spinning in your own cantankerous, uh, briny juices of, of hatred. You can actually spin that into something kind of cool. You can spin that into art. You can spin that into painting, um, literature, um, um, cra- um, carpentry into <laughs> whatever you do. I'm saying there, there, you got to find an outlet for it. I think if you're really um, self-loather like me, uh, yeah, because there's a ton of dark characters I've always loved, and I, it's I, you know, and I, I think that self-loathing and, and the, the inner critic that all of us have. Let's be clear, all of us have. And if you're listening, oh, I don't. I love myself. No, you you can't. It's impossible. If you if you're totally in love with yourself and you're like I'm I'm amazing all the time, you're a narcissist. You're a sick person and you need help. Okay? So I love people. I'm drawn to them who admit their weaknesses and don't pretend to be perfect. Um <clears throat> So there's a few here's a few characters I've just always loved. Uh and if you're if you're self-critical like me and you think, "Well, how can I turn this into something?" creative or or who are other self-loathers that I can maybe relate to? Well, there's quite a few in popular culture. 
I've made a list of the wonderful dark horses that I've loved over the years. Um, <clears throat> I love Anthony Bourdain. I think he is uh, just an absolute fucking genius. I love that he gets to have a show on CNN and reference the dead boys. Um, or <laughs> just like Fellini films or um, Nick Cave. Like he's, he's just the darkest motherfucker. Like, and he's also a, a recovering, uh, he was a heroin addict for many years and, and, uh, and a chef. And he wrote that great book, of course, which I'm blanking on, Kitchen Confidential, which Oprah Winfrey picked up and made him, well, I think he was a bestseller already, but Oprah really exposed him to the world um, of, of housewives and people like me. Uh, um, and he talks about the dark side of being a chef. Did you know that the world of chefery is dark and cool and rife with drug use and sex? I mean, I kind of did because I've worked in restaurants, but... Anthony Bourdain, the restaurant he worked in, Le Hall, I believe the name was in New York City, was way more exciting than the, the ones that I worked at in L.A. Here, But Anthony Bourdain, if you pay attention, that guy's a dark horse. I mean, for Christ's sakes, he has a John Spencer song opening up his show, No Reservations, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Charles Bukowski, if you like literature, pick up Bukowski, bros. Pick up your post office. The book is called Post Office. Uh, he was a postal worker in real life, Bukowski, for like way too many years. I would say 20 or 30 some years before he hit it as a huge author. Um, so Bukowski was a raging alcoholic and he would work days and he would come home and stay up and drink and write all night. But he couldn't quit his day job at the post office because he couldn't make a living at it at writing yet. Um, so he wrote the book post office about uh his years of self-loathing and also hating others because i do think there's a correlation to your amount of self-loathing and the amount that you dish it out to other people right because if you love yourself you probably uh, don't have time to shit on other people because what's that saying i hate i hate in you what i see in myself or some idea about that like you can spot what's shitty about someone because you yourself know it too well. <laughs> uh, I loved Wednesday Adams. Come on. Come on. Give me Wednesday Adams any day of the week. Um, even in the new Adams family, Christina Ricci did a great job in Adam, the Adams family movies. <clears throat> Bill Murray. Fucking Bill Murray. <sighs> Come on. Every character he does is like dark and snarky and sometimes self loathing, but most, yeah, sarcastic. Uh, complicated, dark, all that stuff. And as far as comics go, I think the best ones, my absolute favorites, have always been Bill Hicks. I think, if you don't know who that guy is, Bill Hicks, Dennis Leary stole his act in the 80s and the 90s. It's pretty well known. L literally lifted, because Bill Hicks died at the age of 34 and left behind a body of work that was awesome, and Dennis Leary stole it, and that's just the truth. Um. And he was really dark and brooding, too, and just and so fucking on the point. Greg Giraldo, unfortunately, deceased as well. Greg died maybe three years ago now, or four years ago. I really loved Greg Giraldo. Super funny guy. Look his stuff up, too. Midlife Vices was his last um, album that he put out before he passed away. Unfortunately, he was into drugs and partying and crap, and... That sucks. Janine Garofalo, hello, only like the queen of self-loathing. You think you hate yourself? <sighs> Go.
go listen to some old Janine Garofalo. Um, I just loved when she came out in the 90s, in the early 90s, late 80s, wearing uh, tights and boxer shorts <laughs> and like a t-shirt. And she was a little chubby for television and a little weird. And I feel like that that era is gone. They're, the uh, The weird girl era is kind of, uh, it may make a return. I hope it does pretty soon because... I'm getting awfully fucking sick and tired of um, of everybody being perfect. It's exhausting. Little Miss Sunshine, I think, is a perfect movie. The grandfather is one of my absolute favorite characters of all time. And by that, I mean the heroine using grandfather who tells Frank, who's just tried to kill himself when they're at a gas station, to buy me some porn and, quote, the real nasty stuff. <laughs> And he goes, get yourself a fag rag, too, which is, like, amazing, amazing. And I think, too, don't forget, do not forget the fantastic Jack Nicholson who plays wonderfully um, horrible people characters. Uh, It makes me laugh so fucking hard. (laughs) Let me find you this um, scene. I think this movie, as good as it gets, is, like, one of the – such a well-written – movie it, it it kind of when you watch it it, it reads like um I'm sorry when you watch it, it it's like a play the way it's written because it's so perfect anyway i think this is like the best fucking line in the whole movie as good as it gets here you go is he dead yet <laughs> No. Uh, would there be any way that you would be willing to walk his dog for him? Absolutely. You're a wonderful man. <laughs> uh, two o'clock would be a good time, and here is the key in case he is asleep. Open his curtains for him so he can see God's beautiful work. And he'll know that even things like this happen for the best. What do they teach you to talk like this in some Panama City sailor want a hump hump bar or is this getaway day and your last shot at his whiskey? Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. <laughs> That's good, right? Zucky hump hump bar. That's amazing. So good. Uh, but he's a bit of a self-loather, right? Self-critical person. And he uh, has a great sense of humor because of it, guys. Hmm. Um, so you know I talked about this with my husband before I recorded this uh, uh, and I asked him I'm like are you you're super critical right and he's like oh yeah for sure I think you know a lot of performers are but I think most people are I think it's human it's called human condition man um I think that modest mouse lyric where does it well, I'll leave back this thought of where where does this come from? Where does this inner critic come from? Um, I think the the modest mouse lyric is kind of right. Like you pick up shame along the way from uh, people who will probably mean well or people who don't mean so well. Um, you know, you you are born essentially liking yourself from what I understand. I've heard people say, that your babies are born just loving every part of themselves, right? They love their feces. They love, 
They love everything. And then comes society's messages to tell you that you're not good enough, that you shouldn't love yourself so much. Who are you to love yourself? Who are you uh, to be like that? And you pick up shame. You pick up a lot of, of the, the negative views of other people, which is really quite a bummer. Um, yeah. I like psychology will tell you it's childhood trauma. Of course it's childhood trauma. I mean, I, I think everything boils down to those first few years of your childhood. Who raised you? Who was, who was telling you what you were worth? I mean, God, I mean, my parents were fucking savages, animals. They didn't know anything about self-esteem. So self-esteem doesn't exist. Does it? Fuck. I, I mean, my parents were just nightmares. I mean, I remember when I was crying as a little kid and my dad, <laughs> my dad told me, he goes, you know what crying is? It's feeling sorry for yourself. I was like, Jesus Christ. One time he told me uh, to use, not to use conditioner uh, because the conditioner just puts grease back in your hair. It's true. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, so, yeah, you pick up stuff from your, your caring family, from teachers, from people. Uh, sometimes they mean well. Sometimes they don't. They're dopes. But, yeah, Trauma. Trauma, for fucking sure, and everybody has it. Don't don't think you need to have a, a, you know, a crazy childhood to make you susceptible to these things. It happens like in small ways. A teacher will shame you about something, and then now you fucking pick that up for the rest of your life. So you know what do what what do we do? What is that? Okay, so the Buddhists, by the way, and the New Age spirituality movement, <laughs> which I love. Uh, oh, you ever read Eckhart Tolle? You ever read uh, Be- Motherfucker, my brain, I got this pregnancy brain. Uh, uh, the Power of Now, right? Well, let me see, Eckhart Tolle, yeah. Have you read that guy? The Little Hobbit that tells you how to live your life? Oh, he's so fucking amazing. Let me see his shop. Hold on, his books. Not The Power of Now. Uh, a New Earth, okay? Okay, A New Earth. Um, he basically talks about pain bodies and how you're brought into this world um, fairly pure, right, like as an infant. And then you accumulate a pain body over the course of your adult life. And that's the kind of stuff I was talking about. The criticism, the the projecting of other people onto your innocent self. And you walk around in your own bullshit coat of, of your pain body. And then you're at a, a restaurant and um, the waitress maybe in your mind was rude to you or flipped some shit to you and then you go off the handle, what do you mean? Bah, 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 bah. And then you react from that place of pain. That's what human interaction is, is all of us walking around with our pain bodies. That's what he says. And like activating the crap out of each other, which I think there's some truth to that. Now the good news is underneath all the pain body is... The ego, that's another word for it, is the, the real self, the true self, the self that can be, that's connected to spirituality, the self that can elevate you above your circumstances, the eternal being part of you, the soul. And I think that's the part, if you want to get over yourself, if you want to get over the self-critical crap, um, is the side that you need to tap into, okay? Right? Isn't that what that is? 
Yeah, because it's kind of a decision, right? If you stay on the dark side, if you go to the dark side, it's fine. But if you stay there, that's on you, bros. And you got to pull yourself out. Do I know how to all the time? Um, no, but I think there's validity. Okay, there's valid stuff on the dark side. Here's why. I think you shouldn't ignore or pretend that your critic doesn't exist. I think you need to acknowledge it, thank it, and see what's going on in there. You know, because if you, if you pay attention to your story over and over again, there's, there tends to be common um, themes in, in your storytelling, in your crazy voice, in your, your evil gremlin. Well, what's the mind trying to tell you? But keep in mind, it's just the mind's chatter. It's just the diarrhea of the mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just the diarrhea of the mind. <clears throat> it's just what the mind does when it's not occupied, I mean, when you think about it, like it has nothing to fixate on. And so it'll fixate on itself. It'll eat itself like a, like a scavenger dog is what Marion Williamson calls the ego. Always looking for evidence, um, of being affronted, always looking for evidence, uh, that they're out to get me. They're out to get me. <sighs> did you see the way she looked at me? <laughs> did you see what they did? Did you, did you hear the tone of voice? <sighs> That's the ego. Um, but just so you know, I also love optimists. I also love the other side of the pendulum here. I love the Max Fishers of the world from Rushmore. I love Owen Wilson. I love that that earnest, childlike um, enthusiasm. Because that's the opposite side of it, right? That's the other side of the force, is the ability to transcend the critic inside of you and to be adorable and childish. Now, ironically, Owen Wilson tried to kill himself a while back. Mm. I don't know what that was about, but it's a fucking bummer. I'd be sad if he died because I really like him. Um, Greg Kinnear's character, even in Little Miss Sunshine, I love because he's like this hopeless optimist like to the point where it's not even good for him to be <laughs> that optimistic. And the character Olive, the little girl, is like... So cute and so optimistic. I love that movie, Bring It On, the cheerleading movie. Um, that girl, the main character, Torrance, right? That's her name. She's Kirsten Dunst's character. I fucking love her character. Like, I just, I want to be that person. Oh, and Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. I'll tell you something, man. Legally Blonde comes on. I don't care what's happening in my life. You better believe I'm going to stop and watch me some Legally Blonde because that movie's fantastic. Positive message, too. Positive, positive message. <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you? Well, yeah, because I'm a human being. I'm not, I'm not made of cement. There's not cement running through my fucking veins, folks. But if you are stuck in a negative spiral, if you are stuck feeling lonesome and alone in your self-critical world, there's a great website called postsecret.com. And it's where people post all the dark shit that they, um, it's like confessions or just horrible shit that they think on a postcard and they send it to this place, postsecret, postsecret.com. Um, well, let's see if we can find a few great ones. I remember finding this years ago and like, I don't know why it feels so good to, um, have someone else tell you that they're pieces of shit too. Okay. Here's one. Here's nuns. There's nuns on this on this postcard and it says I got the calling more than once I did not answer I would have made a great nun <laughs> this one is a volcano it says 
I'm always hornier than my boyfriend. Hilarious. This other one says, I'm not interested in sex anymore and it makes me mad. This means I'm broken. I'm just done. Why can't that be okay? My mom got high with my English teacher's wife. He doesn't know. <laughs> That's great. There are many. No, there are some men who will love you for as long as you stay some other man's wife. Oh, that's funny. Oh my God. The hardest part of being in a frat is telling your rare, oh, your, I can't, I don't know, I can't read it, your pair, parents that you're gay. Oh, that's funny. The hardest part of being in a frat is telling your parents that you're gay. Hilarious. So there you go. Postsecret.com. Um, to make you feel less alone and less self-loathing because you'll realize that it's really, really quite a common human condition. It's not that outrageous um, to not, so don't beat yourself about it, beat yourself up about it. Oh, my husband had this great idea that what causes this self-criticism stuff is perfectionism. Uh, I totally agree. I think that, at least I, my therapist would agree with that assessment because I'm a notorious perfectionist. Um, and I get really mad at myself if I don't do something perfect. And then that'll cause me to, to spiral out of control. Yeah. Perfectionism, which is so unrealistic. So back to Brene Brown. Um, this book that she is out promoting is called Rising Strong. Again, it looks like a Dolly Parton album cover. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Yeah, Rising Strong. Brene is her name. B-R-E-N-E Brown. Um, get on Amazon. Through my banner. So Brene Brown, I went to see her talk, and she's adorable. She's like she's like this, um, you know, mid, mid no, southern Texas. I guess Texas isn't really considered the south. I know that's fighting words for Texans listening, but it's kind of this. It's south-ish. It's south-adjacent. It's the South, as far as I'm concerned. But Texans will say that, no, it's just Texas. It's its own planet, which I think it is. So Brene Brown's this adorable Texas lady, and um, she has a penchant for wearing jean jackets like I do because they're just the best. Like, if you want to hide some chunk on television, a good jean jacket goes a long way. Hides your enormous tits. If you have enormous tits, wear a jean jacket. Um, if you want to kind of tone it down, because the camera makes your tits look even bigger. So Brene Brown, um, you know, has all these cute Texas sayings. And um, <laughs> so she talked to us about her new book. And like I said at the beginning, her point, her, she did this research on how people react to things and the critic in your head and the stories we tell ourselves. So when something bad happens, your reaction is initially emotional, she says. Um, it's not rational. You think it's rational, but it's not. So you have a freak out, emotional reaction, and then later you incorporate reason. But here's the problem, bros. Do you think you're incorporating logical reasoning? Do you think you're really incorporating the stuff, the good stuff all the time that tells you uh, to calm the fuck down and not accuse anyone else of anything? No, of course not. You're... She says what you're doing is you invent a conspiracy because when things don't add up to your mind, your brain will fill in the story 
with things that are not factually true. Okay, so she uses this wonderful example about her and her husband. And (coughs) I don't know, you don't have to be married, I think, to kind of get this one. But um, so her husband's at the fridge and she's very busy with her book tour and teaching and all this stuff. So she's already feeling inadequate as a wife and a mother because she doesn't have time to provide everything for everyone all the time. So she's in the dining room and she overhears her husband looking through the refrigerator and he does a thing that like all husbands do They go to the fridge and he goes, God damn it. There isn't even any lunch meat in here. (sighs) Right. Which is, you know, as, as I've heard my husband do that. And my immediate reaction is, fuck you. You don't think I'm busy enough. Why don't you get in your car and get your fucking lunch meat yourself? What am I the person, the only person in the house that's responsible for creating lunch meat to happen in this home? Like why? Cause I'm a woman. I'm the woman of the house. I'm responsible. I'm the bringer of lunch meats. Um, so she, she too had a similar dialogue in her brain. And she even asked people from the stage, she's like, what do you, what would you think if you heard it? And of course, like everybody she asked, the women were like, get it yourself. Don't I do enough around here? Like, <laughs> and she goes, but if you, if you listen to what is actually being said in your brain, at least in her, her story, in her brain, what she actually heard, well, the underlying reason was, I'm not good enough. I'm never enough. So when she heard her husband say that statement, well, isn't there any, can't there be any goddamn lunch meat here? Her brain went to, well, I'm not good enough. I'm never enough. He's reaffirming that. Um, I'm going to fill in the story, the gaps in the story with the I'm never enough mantra, right? So what she says to do to react to this in a new way, she goes, well, next time you notice you're getting emotional. And she's like, how do you know you're emotional? When you have a physical reaction or something. Because emotions are motion running through the body. So the next time you're physically reacting to something, you're in it. Like you're in an emotional reaction. She says, take a breath. Like stop for a minute and go, okay, I'm obviously having a reaction to something. What's going on here? And that's when you kind of can hear you can't always do it perfectly. Like she's also saying like, it's never going to, you're not going to go, Oh, well this is because of my underlying inadequacy of being a, I'm thinking I'm a bad mother and a bad wife and a bad writer and this. No, no, no. She's like, you're not going to get there immediately, but you will know something's wrong. And that's the time when you should step back and kind of go, okay, something's wrong here. Let's, let's ask. And so she talked to her husband and she's like, look, I just, I feel inadequate here. I, I just want to know, what did you mean by that? Like, what did you mean by, well, there isn't even any damn lunch meat in the house. And he goes, well, I'm hungry. (laughs) Like, that's it. I was just, I was hungry and I was expressing my hunger. And you heard this whole other story that didn't even, like, exist. You invented a subtext that doesn't even exist. And fucking of course like I, I think I did that the day I saw her say that like about a business thing that had happened um <laughs> like of course I, I I we follow in the story constantly and it's not it's not right the conspiracy stuff that we tell us isn't always right so 
So what's to be done? Well, take a breath, like she said. Take a breath if you're in it. And um, try to have the good sense not to send emails or make phone calls when you're in that state. Um, I'll tell you, that's the most you can really do when you, you know you're freaking and you know that you're in a conspiracy mode. Just don't fucking pick up the phone and talk to that person yet. <laughs> try to give space to it, breathe a bit, and then go back to it. Because the worst thing you could do is react, and now you've created a, a fight. Because she could have easily been like, what do you mean there's no lunch meeting? She could have started a fight with her husband. She could have called her sister and been like, can you believe what my husband said? He said that I'm the woman, and I need to go cook and take care of the meats, in addition to being a blah, 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 which he never said. <laughs> you get my point. Okay, so what can be done? for your inner demons, for the gremlins. I don't know. I'm not a licensed therapist. I've never claimed to be. So please, for fuck's sake, by the way, go see a therapist in addition to listening to this podcast. Please don't ever take what I say to be uh, valid on any fucking measure. This is just my dumb thoughts. My dumb thoughts on on, on life. Uh, so, okay, so, okay. I think what happens is you kind of have to take control of the gremlin. The only way out is to actively defeat your gremlin. Now, that doesn't mean ignoring what the gremlin's saying because I think gremlins are there for a reason. It's to steer you in kind of the right direction. But, like, don't take everything it says to be fact because it's not and, and acknowledge that, okay, that's the gremlin. Is the gremlin right? Like, just fact-checking against what the gremlin's telling you? Dude, if you can do that, like, you're 90%, you're there. You're almost there. Um, fact check the gremlin, dude. I can't tell you how, like my therapist and I do that together. It's the best. Um, and also <laughs> a lot of people are like, do your positive affirmations. Now, oh, hold on. This is a commercial for lean cuisine. Excellent. Um, I don't, you know, it sounds horribly corny. It is horribly corny. It's embarrassing. Um, it's like the lamest thing ever, but listen, here's, Louise Hay, um, the founder of Hay House Radio, multimillionaire, fantastic woman who who started doing um, work with AIDS patients in the 80s about healing their bodies through using their minds. And she's got a wonderful affirmations and power thoughts tape. Okay, here it is. It's like learning your computer. Uh, when you first uh, get a computer, you learn the simple she's talking about. process. Let's do some affirmations. Hold on, let's find Bless some. your current abode with love. <sighs> Hold on. Today's thoughts create my future. Today's thoughts create. I am in charge. I now take my own power back. I now take I my own power back. I am free. I am safe and I am free. I am safe. It's only change. I am safe. It's only what change. We becomes true for us. Yes. The more we trust life, the more life is there for Let's us. Let's do it. I cross all bridges Let's with take, joy and ease. I cross all the bridges old with unfolds joy and ease. into wonderful new experiences. Old, my life gets better all the time. My life gets better all the time. I, I am, willing to, am willing to change. We all want life to change and other people to change. To change. People but nothing change. in our world will change will until change. we are willing to make changes change. in, ourselves. in ourselves. We often cling so There you go. Louise Hay. Do your affirmations. <laughs> I just oh here's some self esteem ones. You guys want to hear these? Let's see. Looks like Fuck some these folks have had Jennifer Gardner. She's perfect. If only it was Jennifer Gardner. 
Okay, let's do some self-healing affirmations, guys. You are self-confident. I am self-confident. Well, I acknowledge my self-worth. I acknowledge my self-worth. See, I feel better already. Don't you feel better? Here, say it along with me, okay? You acknowledge your self-worth. Well, now you acknowledge your self-worth, dummy. That's what she's saying. I didn't like her tone. I love and approve of myself. I love and approve of myself. You love and approve of yourself. Yeah, motherfucker, we just said that. Why are you repeating it? I am wise and wonderful. I, I am wise and wonderful. Louise Hay, self-esteem affirmation. You are wise and wonderful. You are wise and wonderful. Oh, the music's really depressing, actually. Oh, my God. I appreciate myself. I appreciate myself. You appreciate yourself. You appreciate okay. yourself. Look, there has to be an option that's, like, less embarrassing. You know what I mean? Because if I, like, I like this stuff secretly and I make fun of it here, but it's super embarrassing. Like, my, if my husband finds that I'm just mortified, the fucking crap that I have on my uh, my e-reader, it's just, it's mortifying. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's corny. It's super corny, but... You got to take charge of your mind. And the only way to do that, like, you're going to let that gremlin push you around? Or are you going to say, no, gremlin, no, I know what I'm doing. And and I'm going to turn this boat around and we're going to get positive as much as I can. I'm not saying you can go from a total spiral to perfection in a day, but, you know, if you're mildly pissy, you just gotta, you gotta tell yourself not to be pissy. Okay, here's, this is a great video of this little girl. I don't know, like four years old and she's standing in front of a mirror and she's doing these affirmations and it's the fucking best thing ever. Okay. I can be a shark. Now my whole house is great. I can do anything good. I like my school. I like anything. I like my dad. I like my cousins. I like my aunts. I like my Allisons. I like my moms. I like my sisters. I like my That's a spirit. Why don't I have as much self-esteem as like four-year-old Jessica? I think the idea is you can do anything, um, anything good. I think we're all special. All of us are special and none of us are special, right? Everybody's special, but no one's better than the other. I think that's a healthy balance to remind yourself that, yes, you are a piece of shit, just as everybody else is a piece of shit, but you're also wonderful and beautiful and perfect and uh, and and a wondrous piece of creation. You're special. There is nobody like you. Don't forget that. Um, your mother grew you in, in her womb 
Uh, you're one of a kind, and that's the truth, actually. And that's something to fucking... And I know that sounds corny, um, but I'll tell you something, man. Making a person right now, I'm telling you, it, it's it's crazy that you even exist. You shouldn't even exist. I mean, it's so improbable that that you should exist. And, and your mom and dad came together at the Virginia Beach Funny Bone in, in the Hilton there, and they had sex... And you are conceived, and you're one of a kind. And that should be enough. You know what I'm saying? Some days, if you feel like shit, the only thing you can tell yourself is like, look, there's nobody like me. Whether or not I like myself, there's no motherfucker out there like me, and I got to celebrate that. Because you can't be all bad. I know you're not all bad. Nobody's, well, that's not true. There's Hitler was pretty crummy. Uh, but aside from the, the biggies, I mean, you know, you can't be all bad. You're not. You got to change your mind. Um, And then what gets you there is up to you. Go do something you like. You know, have some ice cream, like Kevin Christie and I said a couple episodes back. You can't be bummed and have ice cream with a friend. I can't be bummed when I'm petting my dogs. I really can't because it's, it's so great. They don't judge me. They love me. Can't be bummed when I'm sitting on the couch with my husband watching uh, Homeland just got into that show. I know I'm like five years too late, but it's good. So give yourself a break. Cut yourself some slack. Don't be perfect. It's impossible. You're never going to be normal, perfect, normal, whatever that is. It's never going to happen. Not everything's going to happen the way, and even when it does happen for you, it never happens the way you want it to. Everything is imperfect all the time, and that's the fucking honest truth. And you know what that is? That's deep, bro. So that's all I have for you um, this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to you guys. I love you. Uh, um, I hope that uh, you find peace if you're in a place of inner turmoil. And I hope that you have a great week. Do something you like. That makes a big difference, bros. Just find something you like to do and go do that. I tend to think that that gets you out of your own critic. And also, um, care for somebody else. That tends to help me a lot when I start to focus on other people's happiness, not so much mine. It makes a big fucking difference. Be useful. Be useful to anybody, anything. Do something cool. Just do something. That usually helps. Do fucking it. All right, bros. Until next week, stay deep. All right. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.